from here in the Holy Land. Welcome to the Nourish Your Biblical Roots podcast. I'm your host, Yael Eckstein, President and CEO of the International Fellowship of Christians and Jews. Each week, we'll explore the Jewish roots of your Christian faith and nourish those roots with inspirational insights and ancient teachings that are so relevant to our lives today. Let's get started. Have you ever had a bad day, a day when it seemed like nothing was going your way? Or maybe you've had a week like that, or a year, or maybe a decade. We've all had times when it seems like everything that could possibly go wrong does go wrong. But on today's episode, we're going to talk about how in reality, everything is always going our way. We will focus on the biblical story of Balaam, Balaam, who set out to curse the Israelites but was blocked by an angel of God, will discover how whenever things don't go our way, God is actually helping us in ways we would never imagine. Every week, Jews around the world read and study the same Torah portion known as the Parsha. This week's Parsha is called Balak after Balak, Balak, the king of Moab, who is one of the main characters in this week's reading. The full reading covers numbers 22, 2 through 25, 9. At the start of this week's Parsha, we read that Balak, the king of Moab, sent a delegation to a man named Balaam, a powerful sorcerer. Balak's plan was to enlist Balaam's help in defeating the Israelites who were camped near Moab. Balak knew that the Israelites were too powerful for his army, so he planned to have Balaam curse them in order to weaken them. At first, as many of you might remember, Balaam refused to go along with the plan. He explained to Balak's men that it wasn't possible to curse the Israelites because they were a blessed people. But eventually, Balaam agreed to go along with Balak's men and at least try to curse the Israelites. According to Jewish tradition, Balaam harbored a deep hatred for the nation of Israel and wanted nothing more than to simply destroy them. The Bible tells us that when Balaam began his journey towards Moab and the Israelites, God was very angry with him. God sent an angel with a sword drawn in order to block his way. Balaam couldn't see the angel, but the donkey that he was riding could. When the donkey saw the frightening image of God's angel, it tried to turn away, but Balaam beat the donkey until it returned to the path. This happened two more times along Balaam's journey. The verses that we will focus on today tell us what happened after the third time that the angel blocked Balaam's way. They are from Numbers chapter 22, verses 31 to 33, and I'll read them to you now. Then the Lord opened Balaam's eyes, and he saw the angel of the Lord standing in the road with his sword drawn. So he bowed low and fell face down. The angel of the Lord asked him, Why have you beaten your donkey these three times? I have come here to oppose you, because your path is a reckless one before me. The donkey saw me and turned away from me these three times. If it had not turned away, I would have certainly killed you by now, but I would have spared your donkey. God 
opened Balaam's eyes so that he could see the angel that has caused his donkey to go off course three times. When Balaam saw the angel of God, he immediately bowed down before him. The angel explained to Balaam that he was sent by God to stop him from going to curse the Israelites. The angel also told Balaam that had it not been for his donkey, who turned away each time that it saw the angel, he would have killed Balaam already. We can only imagine, my friends, how terrifying the angel of God with his sword drawn must have looked to Balaam. According to Jewish tradition, the supernatural being that appeared to Balaam looked like the angel of death, but in reality, God had sent the angel of mercy to him. In his infinite love and mercy, God was trying to stop Balaam from doing something that he shouldn't have been doing. He was trying to stop Balaam from getting himself into trouble. There's a powerful lesson that we can all learn from this. When things don't go our way, we need to remember that sometimes God will stand in our way, not because he is out to get us, but because he loves us. He's not sending his angel of death after us. He's actually sending his angel of mercy to protect us. Have you ever felt like God was dealing harshly with you and keeping you from something you thought you needed or wanted? Did you ever have your heart set on a certain job, but then the job fell through? Or maybe you were looking for a home to rent or buy, and you thought you found the perfect place, but no matter how hard you tried, you just couldn't get it. Or maybe you thought you found the person that you wanted to spend the rest of your life with, but that person didn't feel the same way about you. It's hard when we want something so badly, but we just can't have it. It's really hard, but we need to remember that sometimes when things don't go our way, it's actually the best thing to ever happen to us. It's just hidden. God will send his angel of mercy to block you from something that would otherwise harm you. And no matter how things may seem, everything that God does is truly for our very best. He loves us. He wants the best for us. This idea is inherent in Judaism's most important prayer. You might have heard of it, the Shema prayer. Shema Yisrael, Hashem Elokeinu, Hashem Echad. You may be familiar with this prayer, which comes from Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. This is such a central prayer in Judaism that we say it twice a day, once in the morning and once at night. And because it is such an important prayer, it is the first prayer we teach our kids and the first ones that we learn to say ourselves. I remember when I was a child, my father put me to sleep at night. He would rub my back. He would sing. He would tell me how much he loved me, wish me good night, tell me sweet dreams and all the other sweet things. And then he would stop with a lot of intention, and say this prayer with me. I fell asleep with this prayer on his lips and its words in my soul. And now, when I put my own kids to sleep, I do the same thing. 
I lay with them. I laugh. I rub their back. I tell them how much I love them. I hear about their day. And then when I see they're really getting tired, I take a second to be with intention to show them that this is the most important thing we're about to do. And I say, Shema Yisrael, Hashem Elokeinu, Hashem Echad. It's the last thing that they hear before going to sleep and the last words that I say before I go to bed. The Shema prayer declares our faith in one God. But the idea of one God doesn't only mean that we reject paganism. It also means that God is the source of everything that happens in our lives and in the entire world. And since we believe that God is good, we believe that everything that happens must also be good. When we declare our faith that the Lord is one, we declare our faith that everything, and I mean everything, that happens is from God. And if it's from God, then it's good. I remember the first time that I really internalized this lesson. It was right before the holiday of Sukkot, the Feast of Tabernacles, and I was a young girl living in Chicago. Every year, one of the most exciting times of year was that my sisters and I would help my father single-handedly, basically, build our sukkah. We would pass him the different screws and the hammer that he needed to put together this temporary hut that the Bible directs us to live in during the holiday. And this was no easy feat. First, my father lugged the huge wooden walls and beams from our shed onto our patio. Then he would carefully line up the pieces so that everything was ready for assembly. I remember him looking for the one and the two and making sure they were next to each other and not upside down. Wow, so much work went into that. But the hardest part was joining the first two boards in order to form a corner, which would hopefully, stand on its own. From there, my father worked tirelessly to stabilize the structure while my sisters and I watched with bated breath. It was always such a joyful moment when the sukkah was finally complete, when the hut was finally standing, ready for the holiday. But one year, there was a very powerful storm on the first night of Sukkot. In the morning, we were devastated to see that our sukkah had completely blown down. We wouldn't be able to eat in it. My father could see how sad me and my sisters were. And I saw in his head, he was thinking about how to respond. And with a lot of thought and a lot of love, he said, girls, we will rebuild our sukkah and the rest of the holiday will be just fine. But I want you to know that God just taught us a very important lesson about life. We can make plans and we can work hard, even with the intention of doing a mitzvah, a positive commandment for God. But in the end, it's only God who decides what will happen. Even when we don't like how things turn out, he told us, we trust God that everything is for the best. Looking back now, it's clear to me that God allowing our sukkah to fall was truly for the best. Because from that experience, I gained one of the most important life lessons I ever received. 
I saw my father work hard. I saw him wanting to build a sukkah. I saw him wanting to succeed. And then I saw him and his eyes when he saw that sukkah that we built so hard on the ground. And the way that he responded taught me that when things don't go according to my plans, it doesn't mean that God is not in control. And it doesn't mean that God doesn't love me. I learned that I don't have to understand God's ways to know that he is always good and that everything is always for the best and that God always loves us. In Hebrew, there's a phrase that expresses this idea beautifully. We say, Gam zu which means this too is for the best. It was coined by a Jewish rabbi that lived in the first century BCE named Nachum Ish Gamzu. And he was defined by this saying so much so that it became part of his name. I want to tell you a story about a student of Nachum Ish Gamzu named Rabbi Akiva, who truly lived by the words Gamzu Litova. This too is for the best. Rabbi Akiva lived about 2,000 years ago, and whenever he traveled, he always brought three things with him. A candle, so that he could study the Bible at night in the dark. A rooster, to wake him up in the morning for his prayers. And a donkey, to help him get from place to place. One time, when Rabbi Akiva was traveling, he stopped at the nearest village in order to find a place to spend the night. He stopped at an inn, but there were no available rooms. The sun was almost setting, so Akiva began to knock on the doors of the houses in the little village. At each house, Akiva asked if he could spend the night and offered to pay for his room, but not one family was willing to host him. Instead of getting upset and feeling bad for himself, Akiva did what his teacher had taught him to do. He thanked God and said, everything God does is for the best. Gamzu Litova. He pitched a tent in the nearby forest where he would spend the night, and he was totally content. After the sun went down, Akiva lit his candle and began to study the Bible, but a gust of wind came out of nowhere and blew the candle out completely. Akiva had no way to relight the candle, and now he couldn't continue reading the Bible as he usually did at night. But Akiva thanked God and said, Everything that God does is for the best. Next, a lion suddenly appeared and ate Akiva's donkey. Now Akiva had no way to travel and nothing to help him carry his belongings. But Akiva didn't get angry or anxious. He thanked God and said, Everything that God does is for the best. After that, a hungry cat saw Akiva's rooster and came and ate it up. Now Akiva had lost all three of his most important possessions. But still, Akiva wasn't upset at all. He thanked God and said, Gamazu litova. This too is for the best. The next morning, Akiva saw how everything that God does really is for the best. Listen to this. 
He learned that during the night, a band of robbers raided that nearby village, the same village that Akiva had tried to sleep in. The robbers killed the villagers, stole their possessions, and then escaped to the nearby forest, the same forest that Akiva was sleeping in. Had Akiva slept in the village, or had the robber seen the light of his candle, heard the neighing of his donkey, or heard the crow of his rooster, Akiva would have suffered the same awful fate as those villagers. God has saved Akiva by making the villagers refuse him lodging and by getting rid of Akiva's candle, donkey, and rooster. But indeed, at the end, he saw what he was saying all along was exactly true. Gamzu litova. Everything God does is for the best. I love this story, and I relate to it all the time in my life because it's a powerful reminder that we all need sometimes, that even when it seems like everything's going wrong for us, the reality is that everything is always working in our favor. It is so empowering to know that we are never a victim always the recipient of God's abundant kindness and goodness. There's an ancient Jewish teaching that says, one should thank God for the bad, just as he blesses God for the good. In other words, even the things that seem bad to us are really for the best. And so we need to thank God for them because gamzulitovah, that too is for the best. In Judaism, we have blessings for just about everything, including for things that seem bad to us. Whenever a person hears bad news, including the death of a loved one, the first thing we say is, Baruch Dayan Ha'emet, which means, blessed is the true judge. We recognize that even though we might perceive what happened as bad, God is the true judge of what is good and what is bad, and he runs the world perfectly. Like Rabbi Akiva, we need to thank God for everything that happens, because even if we can't understand how, we have to know in our heart it's all for the best. The rabbis explained that our world is like a tapestry. Every tapestry has two sides, the front where everything is neat and orderly and the back side where threads are cut and tied. Even though both sides are made with exactly the same threads, the pictures they produce are completely different. On the front side, there's a beautiful design. All of the colors and patterns come together to produce a beautiful picture. But the other side is a complete mess. The threads are unruly and the picture makes no sense. Although there is only one tapestry, the side you're looking at makes all the difference in how you see it. Do you see the connection? Do you get where I'm going with this? In the same exact way, our lives and the entire history of mankind are part of God's magnificent and divine tapestry. In our lifetime, we only see the backside, the ugly, the chaotic side, where nothing seems to make sense. But there's another side to the tapestry that's yet to be revealed, 
on that side, nothing is out of place, and every thread is exactly where it should be. The picture is clear and perfect, and if we could see it, we would stand in awe at its beauty and brilliance. As people of faith, we need to look at the tapestry of life from the backside and say, I know how it looks. It's confusing. It's not very pretty. But I know that on the other side, there is a beautiful picture in the making. And somehow, it all makes sense. Somehow, all these hard things that are happening to me are all for the best. Gamzu letova. Most of the time, we don't get to see the front side of the tapestry. But every once in a while, God gives us a glimpse at it. And those precious moments can strengthen our faith when all we see is the messy side. Have you ever had an experience where you couldn't understand what God was doing, but later on it all made sense? Can you think of a time in your life when something that seemed like one of the worst things to happen to you ended up being one of the greatest blessings? I want to share with you one more story about a time when it seemed like the worst thing in the world happened, but then it became clear that everything that happened was truly for the best. This story happened in Israel just six years ago and was all over the Israeli newspapers. It was on November 2nd, 2015, Daniel Cohn, a 31-year-old father of five, was waiting at a bus stop when he was attacked by a terrorist. Daniel struggled with the terrorist, but was stabbed multiple times in his jaw, shoulder, chest, and stomach. Daniel knew that he was seriously injured, and while he hoped for the best, he prepared for the worst by praying and making peace. The paramedics brought him to the hospital where he underwent a four-hour emergency surgery. And this is where Daniel's story gets interesting. During the surgery, the doctors found a life-threatening tumor inside of Daniel's colon. Daniel had noticed some pain in that area for days, but he didn't have the time to deal with it. He rationalized the pain, not knowing that he was in great danger, and he ignored it. The doctors only found the growth because of the surgery that Daniel needed following the terror attack. Once they found the dangerous growth, they were able to remove it and save Daniel from what might have otherwise killed him. When Daniel woke up from the surgery and learned what had happened, he said, the terror attack I underwent saved my life. The creator brought me this operation in order to save my life. In the end, what looked like Daniel's worst day at first became his best day. What looked like an end to his life actually saved his life. Like Balaam, at first it seemed to Daniel like God had sent his angel of death. But in reality, God had done just the opposite. He sent an angel of mercy to save Daniel's life. And like Daniel... We also go through extremely painful and difficult times, but ultimately they too are for our very best. Now I've learned firsthand that it's not always easy to remember that everything is for the best, especially when it feels like we are going through the worst. This is why in the Jewish faith, we remind ourselves twice a day when we say the Shema prayer 
that no matter what happens, the Lord, our God, the Lord is one. We remember that everything comes from God. And so everything must be for our greatest good. And we can all create reminders and habits that remind us that everything is for our greatest good. When something doesn't go your way, can you make it a habit to say, as Rabbi Akiva said, Gamzu Litova, this too is for the best? When it seems like God is blocking your way, like he blocked Balaam, can you remember that God will send his angels to keep you from what might otherwise harm you? You can also try keeping a journal of the stories in your own life, where like Daniel, you were able to see how what seemed like something bad turned out to be good for you. Or maybe you can add a reminder in your daily prayers by saying the Shema prayer, or a different Bible verse, or words of your own that inspire you, that help you approach each day with the perspective that everything is from God and everything is good. When we have faith that everything that God does is good, we will eventually see God's goodness manifest in everything in our lives. In Isaiah 55, 9, God says, As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. We can't understand God's ways, but we can know beyond a shadow of a doubt that his ways are good. This week, every time something seems to not go your way, instead of getting upset or complaining, thank God. Tell him thank you. You can say, thank you, Lord, that I'm stuck in traffic. Or to say, thank you, God, that my child is really trying my patience. You can also say, Thank you, God, that I forgot my wallet at home. Nothing too big, nothing too little to declare our faith in one God, the God of good. The more we praise God for the good and the bad, the more we will see that it's really all good. Shavuot Tov, my friends. Have a wonderful week from here in the Holy Land. Thank you for listening to the Nourish Your Biblical Roots podcast. If you like what you have heard, visit me at mybiblicalroots.org for more of my teachings, videos, blogs, and books. You can also follow me on Instagram at yael underscore Eckstein or on Facebook at yael Eckstein. Shalom and see you next week.